0: I I feel like I have a laundry list of things I want to talk to you about. You're like the the perfect guest for the themes that we try to cover in my mind because you have this backstory of having left corporate and mm-hmm. are now a full-time artist and you've just achieved a different kind of success, I'll say, and we'll get to that. But I, I think there's kind of this illusion of what an artist is and what our mm-hmm. lifestyle looks like and you've kind of broken those barriers and so if you could kind of take us back to leaving one life and entering another, maybe why you made that decision, how you made that decision. Let's start there.
1: Yeah. So specifically like leaving from my full-time like corporate creative, as I call it. Yeah. Okay. So the background there is I went to NASCA University and I came out of that being like, I can't be a starving artist. Um, I can't go and do art all alone. I'm going to get into so what I call corporate creative, and I worked at a toy company where I was a product designer and the lead photographer for the studio. Worked there for over a decade, and I loved it. And I learned like an insane amount of stuff. You know, working collaboratively with a lot of people who are all very creative, having the direction of a uh, creative director, all of that takes your skills very quickly, much higher. Mm -hmm. So that was very rewarding for a long period of time until it started to not be, basically. And over time it was, you know, there's a little bit less creativity. We started as a very small company, grew to a very large company. When I worked there at the start, there was like 12 people. Um, When I left, there was over a hundred working in the company. So there's a lot of things that happened with that. And a lot of that creative autonomy was gone. And I just found myself being like, you know, I'm using my personal energy day in and day out to make a profit, pretty much. And at that point, when it got to I'm going to leave, I had also become a mother. I had my son a couple of years before I left. And I actually left my job when I was on maternity leave with my daughter, with my second uh, child. And... Really, I think it came down to the fact that I just wanted to be using my personal energy in a way that was less for corporate and more for something that was individual and true to me. And I think that's where the the big shift came. It was just getting the courage to take that shift.
0: Mm -hmm. How long was that runway? (laughs) The the courage, the courageous runway. Yeah,
1: very long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say probably, you know, the big shift was having my son and then being like, oh, my goodness, I'm at the office all day. And I also, of course, I didn't just have that job. I also taught photography at NASCAD University. And I also ran my own photography business on the side. I was doing three jobs and had my son and I was just always doing and busy it's like I kind of wore this like badge of busy when I had my son it there was a shift to be like well what are my values actually like I need to step back and be like what's going on in my life and what do I actually care about and that was probably the main like starting point of being like okay something is shifting here and it was just my priorities and the way that I looked at what I wanted to be doing with my own energy that shifted at that point to actually doing it. So that would be about three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. That's still pretty
0: fresh. Really, <laughs> Like three years <laughs> is three years, but I'm mean, given the, what the last three years has looked like in that's particular, true. that's yeah. kind of a, an interesting transition for you to say the
1: least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I should say it took four years because it was 2020 when I actually did and made the shift. And... People could hear and be like, Oh yeah, well, of course it was twenty twenty. But it came up organically prior to even the pandemic hitting. Like mm-hmm. this was in my brain on maternity leave being like, Do I really want to go back? And mm-hmm. it was a lot of back and forth, but the pandemic was like the seal the deal kind of thing.
2: And so you went to NASCAD. Obviously, you were creative in some capacity before you went there and decided to make the the choice to go to an art school. Mm-hmm what were you involved in photography before that or what creative outlets did you have before you went to school?
1: Yeah. So I kind of in my second to last year in high school was like, no, I'm not going to go. I want to be a lawyer. That was my other, was my other one. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go to NASCAD and I'm only going to apply to NASCAD. That's it. And I was like, that's And funnily enough. They let me in on a conditional acceptance. I had to get good grades in my first uh, semester in order to pass. And I got all A's. So they let me stay. But yeah, really, my family, my mom and my dad were just very creative people in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so creativity was it was just kind of growing up. You know, I grew up in rural Nova Scotia, as both of you um, mm-hmm. have as well. And we were outside a lot, but there, there was just creativity based in kind of everything that we did. So I just really enjoyed all of that. I got my first actual camera when I was 15. My godfather and uncle sent me money. He's um, in Switzerland, and he sent me this money. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can get like the best camera ever. So I went to Carzan Mosier down on the Esplanade in Churro for anyone who knows that yes and I uh, got my full like professional I'm doing air quotes uh camera and but yeah and so I just was always kind of doing those pieces it's funny though you then like I thought I was a very creative person like I was in art and all the things in high school and then went to university and like have people coming in from afar who have like backgrounds in like actual like art prep schools or whatever it is. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh I'm coming from rural Nova Scotia. <laughs> it was You don't in... even have art class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was uh it was interesting. The there was a lot of education that happened for me um, going there. So I think that creativity was a very organic thing growing up, but nothing structured and and uh, nothing in that kind of vein.
0: Did it feel intimidating going to
1: art school? Oh. At first, no. And then yes, absolutely. Like at first I was like, I'm I'm born to be an artist. That's what I'm going to be. And then you get there and you see all these other people who have like been doing specialized things in Toronto or abroad. And and I'm like, holy F, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of, um, you know, it's like that Dunning's Kruger effect where it's like when you first start out something, you think you're like great at it. And then all of a sudden you realize all the stuff that you just don't know. And you're like, oh. So yeah, it was... Uh, for the first probably couple of years, I did feel quite intimidated. Yeah,
0: I remember having that experience in high school sports where like I was a pretty OK at track and field and had a good coach and all the things and locally would win the meets. And then you get to regionals and provincials and just get smoked by all these amazing runners from bigger schools. And it was an important reality check, though, I think, yeah. to have, especially as a kid. But I can relate to yes, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. stark reality of competition
1: or others. Exactly, yeah. Do Why? you think
2: um, growing up in a small town part of part, part of this when you went away and you felt kind of like an outsider, I guess, in some capacity? Um, you think that's because you're not exposed to as much in a small town, or you just you just think you're better than you maybe are because you don't get the comparison to other people? i
1: uh, i resonate with both of those yeah. <laughs> small matter. town
2: confidence <laughs> and the only reason I'm, I'm saying this is because i'm from a small town too so i felt the exact same thing that you, you're both describing so yeah yeah definitely
1: yeah. it is there's a lot of things that you just are not exposed to unless you're have people in your life who are exposing you to that and both my parents were organically very creative, but that was not something that they did in their professions and their everyday lives. So there was no structure, there was no like this is this is the art world. these are the, like there was zero of that. And then you also don't get that in the local schooling. but on the other hand, like you know, I was like the art person in my whole school. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I know what I'm doing." And <laughs> it's like, oh, actually no. <laughs> no. I don't.
2: yeah, I remember. And back to another sports analogy, when I was growing up in small town Cape Breton, we'd get the Chronicle Herald and it would have um, the basketball stats from the high schools in Halifax and, and volleyball and sports. I played I'm like, oh my God, these guys must be so good. And yeah. yeah, they've, and then I remember going to a tryout and like, wait a second. I'm just as good as these guys. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I looked at them, they're in the paper, they're in the Chronicle <laughs> yeah. Herald. And then when I went away, like well, obviously I wasn't like the best or anything, but I'm like, Oh yeah, I, this is similar. Like, but it's just this perception from the small town. Like I think it can go both ways. Like you can think you're amazing or you can look at the, the bigger places and be like, Oh my God. Like they're from the big city. I can never compete with them. <laughs> well, and I think a
1: part of that, too, is also the the times in which we grew up, because that's how you looked at it. Yeah. The newspaper, right? Or seeing yeah. someone on TV like, oh, my gosh, they're on the nightly news. Yeah, like, that's a good. big, big <laughs> deal. That's a big deal. I mean, I still think it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but now there's so much more just awareness, right? Like, you yeah. can see so much more, even if you're in a small town even if you're in a small place which was not the reality for us growing up.
2: Mm-hmm. Social media has been amazing for making the world well, more connected in, in that mm-hmm. way like I, and another thing about growing up like fashion and things just in the small towns never I wish you could see what we were all wearing right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Like I remember yeah going going to a bigger city and just, like, well, looking like a hick or whatever. Because like, yeah. you're like, oh, this is what the cool people are wearing. And then you're wearing rubber boots and jogging <laughs> pants. And, yeah. and But now, like, and I don't know if this is better or worse, but you everywhere you go in the world, people generally look the same. Like, they're dressed the same. Like, the yeah. style's the same. People are listening to the same music. Like, they know who... Whatever the most famous sports stars are, it's a pretty homogenized culture now. And Mm -hmm. that's good in lots of ways because lots of people who didn't have opportunities in the past now have those. But the uniqueness of individual places is kind of being lost, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think actually that's a good segue, Christine, into how you have found your own niche amidst the photography world, because it's no secret, of course, you you are probably asked this question all the time and that we're all carrying around phones now and what does it mean to be a professional photographer and so on. But not only have you managed to make a, a life and a career for yourself in photography, but specific to capturing the night skies, and I'll, I'll let you kind of put that into your own words, uh, you know, the type of photography you do, but... Let's talk about how you managed to find your way to this specific inspiration.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I call it uh, night photography or nightscape photography. That's just a mashup of night and landscape together. People will call it astrophotography. Side so note, other people will then argue that it's not astrophotography because of all these other semantics that exist that don't really matter. But I came to it. it organically and also in maybe a way that people would be like, oh, that didn't make any sense. Really, the root of it is growing up in the middle of nowhere and not having a whole heck of a lot to do and spending a lot of time outside looking up at the stars, something that you just take for granted, you know, and this I didn't necessarily realize quite how unique this was until I started teaching online and teaching people across the world the level of light pollution that exists in the world is absolutely insane. Mm. Whereas here in Nova Scotia, we have access to such dark skies. So this was something that I just took for granted growing up and didn't necessarily put two and two together until I had my son. This is going to be a thematically runs through here. (laughs) Um, I had my son and previous to that, Like I had the same three jobs and I was working and running my own business. I was teaching photography and I was working um, at my day job. But my like me time was me and my dog Jazz. Jazz is a black lab. She's 13 now. She's upset she couldn't come. Mm -hmm. Um, We would go out on hikes together and I'd stay out until sunset and I'd take pictures. And that was like me time. That was like I was creating specifically for me. I had my son and it don't know how it always worked out, but I had to be home for bedtime because I was breastfeeding and it always was at sunset. And it's just like sunset changes throughout the year. Like how is this always lining up? It was literally just always I had to be home at sunset. And I felt like I was kind of losing a piece of myself creatively. And there's this transition when you have a kid and it's like, holy crap, I need to take care of this kid. And you, you, there's these identity changes. The big one for me was losing that creative outlet that was very specific to me. And it, for the first couple of months, was really, really difficult. And I you know, was like up in the middle of the night, like Googling on my phone, like new mom, lost identity, trying to figure out like, mm-hmm. what do I do? And then I had this idea once and I was like, well, all right, I'm not sleeping anyways. Why don't I just get less sleep? Once I get him down to bed, I'll go out at night and take <laughs> landscape pictures. And that's literally how it started. And like looking back on that, that logic does not work. But I was also a new don't mom. recommend it. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> don't necessarily. But I, you know, in that like new mom haze of things, like my brain maybe wasn't working in the best way possible. And so that's how it started. But why it stuck and why this has really turned into something that I'm so passionate about is because it goes back to my roots and to how I grew up and to something that was really important to me that I just forgot about.
0: I love this story. And 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 You're right in that because Mike and I have had the the fortune of traveling other places. We often remark that we aren't experiencing the same night skies that we do at home. It truly is one of those things that's so easily taken for granted. We don't realize, I don't think, that others don't have that until you are other places. But
2: And we've... We're lucky enough to have been a part of one of your photo shoots. Yes. And seeing the end results like with Kristen's art in it and your ability to capture the, the Milky Way is one of the coolest photos I've ever seen. Thank you. And I remember we were in Columbia and at the artist residency and someone was asking you were a little too shy to show your own uh work to people but i'm like oh i'll show you Kristen's work <laughs> <clears throat> and uh and you're you're lucky you know a lot of photographers so have some really good <laughs> shots on yeah. and i was going through them mm-hmm. and i get to this milky way one these people from around the world are looking at it like holy shit like what this is like this should be in the front of a magazine kind of thing like it's an amazing what you capture is just mind-blowing and beautiful and it's uh hard to believe that someone just in our same subdivision is able <laughs> to do this magical thing so first off i want to just say that we're mm-hmm. really impressed by what you are able to do and how you've turned turned this into a full career is mm-hmm. is amazing as well
1: thank you i i want to point on one of the words that you use is magic and yeah. that's really one of the things that gets me excited about this particular genre of photography yeah. because we can't experience the night sky with our, our eyes in the same way that the camera can record and capture yeah. it. So it seems like magic, this reality. And so it's yeah. that that culmination of magic and reality coming together in something that can be really inspiring to people. And that I, I get excited about that.
0: I have a hard time staying awake past 10 p.m., So I'm also extra fascinated by your motivation, really, because it would be so easy to say no, that I'm too tired. I'm too whatever. I have to get up early. This has happened. It's the weather. So on. I have to hike into this place. Like, let's talk about that, because that's got to come from a deep, really sincere place to commit yourself in
1: that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You've hit the nail on the head there. When I start teaching people this type of photography, one of the first things I talk about is why we do it, because it's so easy not to do it. It's so easy to be like, well, I know it's clear out, but I'm just going to curl up in my bed, Uh, especially so there's what's called Milky Way season. It runs from generally March to October. It's when the Milky Way is visible in the sky at night and uh, in March in Nova Scotia. Milky Way is visible at about 4 a.m. So if I'm going to drive to, let's say, like, Clam Harbor Beach, that's a two-hour drive. So I'm going to get up at 2 a.m. and drive for two hours and then be in, like, minus whatever degrees shooting. Um, It's a lot easier. This is the first vampire we've interviewed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even. And then on top of that, when I get home, I don't even get to go to sleep. I get my kids up and get them to daycare and school. Um, Then I get to go have a nap. I like to joke that like in my 20s, I like pre-gamed, but now in my 30s, I pre-nap. Um, <laughs> but so the that's a really important piece, this idea of why are you doing it? And kind of everything that I talk about in my education and my work comes back to that central thing of like why. And there's so many benefits to it for me. And the benefits outweigh the getting no sleep, being cold, being tired, all of the things A big, big piece of it is connection for me. So when I'm out and I'm under the night sky, it's a connection, literal connection to something more. You know, during the day you go out and you look up and it's a blue sky or it's a rainy day like it is today. And it's just we're here. We're firmly here on Earth. We're in our own little bubble. But then at night, all of a sudden you can see so much more. And it's for me personally is a way that I can connect to something more than myself. On other practical terms, it's very quiet. I had two small kids. Mm-hmm. It's very loud in my house in the run of a day. It's very loud. <laughs> and when I'm out at night, it's just me and maybe my dog. Jazz doesn't come that much anymore because she's old now. Um, and I have a friend who actually lives a couple of subdivisions uh, over and is retired. She comes out and shoots with me. But it's just me and nature and the night sky. And it's my time for me specifically. It's not for anyone else. I don't have to do anything for any of my kids, for my husband. I love him, for my dog. Like It's just me. And it's that connection to nature and connection to the night sky. And it's what fills up my cup creatively. It's what fills up my cup personally. So it's the type of thing where if I don't do that, like if we've had like cloud and cloud and cloud and cloud and cloud and rain, During the new moon cycle, because there's about two weeks every month where you can get out and shoot without moonlight interference. If I don't get out, I'm cranky. I am not a nice person (laughs) to be around. So the lack of uh, sleep is okay. I can I can get that back. Um, And I also am very intentional because with anything, when you decide what's important to you and being artists, creativity is something that's very important to us you decide that this is a priority and you are going to change things in your life to make that a priority. So I don't book things during the new moon cycle. I'm not going to be going out with friends or doing things that normal people might do. They might be like, oh, do you want to go and do this? And I'm like, well, no, (laughs) that's on the new moon. So the answer is no, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll do it during the full moon with you. And they're kind of like, Talk about moon cycles What's with you. <laughs> so I'm very particular about the way that I schedule my life, so that the actual impact of me being really tired all the time um, is mitigated too.
2: It seems like you've been able to merge something you love completely, something that is your own, um, something that you just gives you rest like like it seems like it's a perfect merger you made a career out of it like it's it seems like it's by a lot of things worked out in the right way to create this amazing career and life for you
1: yeah i um don't necessarily know how it all really happened um but i'm exceptionally grateful to be here and be at this point. If you had told me five years ago that this was my life now, I probably would have laughed at you. Yeah. Yeah. It's very inspiring. Oh, thank you. A
0: lot of artists will describe their work as an extension of themselves, uh, a mirror image. And I know when I'm painting, it often is about a feeling that I achieve. And that's what ends up on the canvas. So, if, sure, there's a a purpose to it. And you're intentional about maybe the palette you pick out, for example, do you feel like the images that you capture and the environments that you are in are a representation of y- you or in a more soulful way?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think in two ways they are, they're always a representation of like the culmination of life experiences to the point that I'm at now and also a lot of it goes back to childhood influence like there there's always that in there but i've noticed a shift with things that have happened in my life even um last year my mom passed away unexpectedly and my work has shifted as a result of that so there are things that i think about now when i'm creating that come across thematically in my work different than what i was creating even a year and a half ago but they all stem from the same kind of root experiences, if that makes sense. How have they
0: changed, if you don't mind my asking?
1: Yeah, a lot of it changes in the way that I communicate what I'm talking about and also my locations. So Mm. the first piece in the communication is that I have realized how much that connection to the night sky really actually means to me. Um, Before I, I had a little bit more trouble putting it into words and now it's something that I can speak about more naturally. And then the second is actually like with the places I go, I was going to a lot more places that were just like these beautiful places, places that as a kid, like I wished we could go to like here in Nova Scotia very coastal, but we lived inland. We lived as far inland as you could get from the ocean. Mm. And we didn't go to the ocean a lot. We did sometimes, but not all the time. So I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh, like the South Shore is like the most beautiful place ever. Cape Run's most it is most beautiful (laughs) place ever. Like, you know, I have all these places in my head. And for when I really started to say, okay, like I'm going to do this, I'm going to take Milky Way photographs. I'm going to do nightscape photography and I'm going to do it in a considered way. I'm going to create art with it. I went to all of those places and I still do now because I love so many of these places, but I'm also now going to scenes that are quieter um, scenes that maybe are not these, these big grand places that you're going to see tourists going to, but places that have and hold a lot more meaning to me individually. Incredible.
2: So you, you come across this thing that you're amazingly talented at and you love And then how do you get into teaching it to other people? Like, what was that transition?
1: Mm, That was a very natural one. Um, I have been teaching photography since 2008. Yeah, 2008 is when I first started teaching at NASCAD University. Uh, I've been teaching since I was old enough to teach. Like, you know, in high school when they have like peer mentors and stuff. I was a peer mentor in high school. Um, And so teaching has always been second nature to me. And it's also the way in which I learn as well. It pushes me to get better at something because if you're going to teach something, you need to know all the facets of it. People are going to ask you questions. And then so many times when I first started teaching at NASCAD, uh, I would go into these classes and they'd be like, oh, what about this, Christine? I'd be like, I don't know the answer to that, but I will find out. And next week we will go Uh into it. Uh, So I've been teaching And uh, really, it it was trial by fire at NASCAD. So I used to work, they have the equipment cages. Let's say you worked in a cage, it's not a cage, but it's just where they kept like all the photo equipment and stuff like that. So I worked in the equipment cage and they were like, hey, uh, we need someone to teach advanced Photoshop in the uh, continuing education department. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yes, When in my inside. I was like... (laughs) How in the heck am I going to do that? But I said yes, and I just did it anyways. I was 21, I think, when I first um, started teaching. Does that line up? Yeah, that lines up, about right. And uh, so I went in and just really learned. It was trial by fire to learn teaching. And I taught at NASCAD until my son was born in 2016. And at that point, like my days when I would teach, I would be working my day job. So I'd, you know, be in day job from eight o'clock until you know four thirty five o'clock I would drive downtown I'd be downtown until 10 or 11 o'clock at night each night and that just wasn't acceptable anymore as a mom like I to me it's like I can't be away for that extended period of time so I decided to start teaching privately and that was a whole learning curve on its own to be like okay now I'm gonna Come up with my own curriculum and find a place to teach and market myself and all of that and so i started teaching in-person classes um and i taught just like i started to i started teaching um, photoshop and then i went to teach digital photography i started their digital photography program after um they had a color processor there It was called the hope color processor for doing film back in the film days and uh that they couldn't get pieces for it anymore so they got rid of that and they were like okay we're going to come up with a digital class and so i started that um and basically i just started teaching that but privately and so i would teach classes either individuals or i would teach classes of like 6 to 8 people um at a time and i knew that i wanted to keep doing that and i also knew that it was not scalable because it's me going somewhere once a week for three hours, teaching six to eight people. Maybe you could do 10 to 14 if you had a bigger space, but that, that's the maximum, right? Like you've hit a limit. So I knew that I wanted to start teaching online, but that's just like this whole this whole other world. What I actually ended up doing right before I went on maternity leave with my daughter, so this was in August 2019, I bought an online course on how to create online courses seems very meta uh and in my head i was like okay i'm gonna do this and i went through this program so this um it's my business mentor now james webmore and he has this program and it's called nail your niche and in it he's like you could teach anything and it would be successful what would you do And so I was like, well, I would teach night photography. I was like, but I can't actually do that. Like, I can't actually just teach night photography. That's Mm. crazy. No one will do that. That's not a viable business. But then I was like, but if I could, that would be really cool. Mm. So that was kind of 2019. And then 2020 happened. And I still was like, that would be cool to do. But like, who's actually going to do that, right? And I was like, six months, my daughter... I was six months old in March of 2020 and it was the very start of March 2020. I was like, all right, she's six months. She can start eating food. I am no longer the sole creator of her food source. I can get out and do stuff. I'm going to start teaching an in-person class. I think you can both guess how well that went. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I put ads out and I was like, why is no one registering? Is it this COVID thing? Yeah. Anyways, so uh, that didn't happen. And I was like, well, you know what? It's now or never. Like, I'm going to either take my courses online now or I'm not going to do this anymore. And what do I want to decide to do? So I did it. I
0: really want people to hear this story because I believe there are just so many that feel stuck in the work Mm -hmm. that they're doing and And have this thing that they might tell themselves that same narrative of I can't do this Mm -hmm. or people won't sign up for this. You're just such an example of having that determination and making it your own. And not only have you made it a life, but I think we can have the money talk here today. (laughs) Yeah, A lot of people are uncomfortable talking about money and, and I get that. But I think especially for those who have the hesitation to make the leap, this is the barrier. It was mm. for me and certainly other guests we, we've we had and other people I've talked to. And I, I really think you're a great person just to shine a light on, it doesn't have to look that way. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And you've achieved financial success. So again, at your level of comfort, if we can <laughs> just have a chat about
1: how you've done that and like- it doesn't have to be so scary, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge one. So I will say that, yes, I have achieved. I've achieved financial success beyond what I even believed was possible, which is, is still like my brain looks at like the when I launch my courses and the income coming in and I'm like, did I really like, is that really true? And then I go off to pay my taxes and I'm like, yes, that was really true. (laughs) Um, Especially when like, you know, my tax bill last year was more than what my yearly salary used to be. Like that's just like mind blowing to me. But the way that I got there was I actually took a personal development course after I had my son And in this course, they talked about limiting beliefs, which prior to doing this personal development course, I like had no idea. I was like, what are limiting beliefs? And they're like, what are your beliefs around money? And I was like, I don't have any beliefs around money. It's just money. And they're like, and then, so in this particular one, I went through and they were like, "Um, have you ever heard these things when you're growing up? Like money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work hard for your money. And I was like, Well, yeah, money doesn't grow on trees. And yeah, I do have to work hard for my money. And then as you go through this course and it's like, oh, wow, I have been projecting all of these things that I just took as reality, which, in matter of fact, don't have to be like that. So that was, I would say, the thing that allowed me to get to this point was actually like investigating how do I actually think about One being an artist, like, am I living into that starving artist trope? Um, How do I think about money and the way in which money um, is made? The ways that we look at artists who make money, like selling out, is a thing that I hear all the time. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what are all these stories that are in your head around it? Because if you can't get past those stories, you're not going to get to that next point. And so there was a lot of like personal Thinking like, you know, it's like the when you look at someone and they're like, what are you doing? Like, I'm working. And they're Like, you're just sitting there. I was like, I know. Like, I'm really I'm working sweating. Right now. <laughs> like, this is hard. Uh, so that's, I think, what allowed me to be able to get to those next places. Really an investigation of all of the things I just thought were true that were like, oh, well, it doesn't have to be. And I understand the people who are in the point where they're like, I can't do that. It's not for me. It's for someone else. I remember listening to a podcast that my business mentor did, and he had all of these like case studies. And there was a nurse who took her side business to a hundred thousand the first year. And I was like, oh, well, that's awesome. But like, that's never going to be me. Like, that's not going to be me. And this is backed up on worked hard. Like, so over the time when I was working in corporate, I had my side jobs, et cetera, like the year before. So you can, talk actual money. I'm comfortable, um, with putting numbers and stuff out there because I think it's useful to hear and understand the year before I went on maternity leave was my best ever year. Um, in terms of selling my courses, I only worked six months. So I did, it was just over 8,000. If I would worked a full year, I probably would have made between like 15 or 16,000 that full year in my like side, side hustle, as you would call it. When I launched my online course, the first iteration of it did $6,000. It was in a week. It did $6,000. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I just keep doing this, it will be great. And so my husband and I are like having this conversation. So it's like, do I go back to work? Do I not go back to work? And I was like, okay, look, let's just see if I can do it again. If I can do it again like this, I can just keep doing that and that we can just get by. And then I can teach my courses and I don't have to have a day job. So I did it again and it did 10,000. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) This just did $10,000. That's better than before. <laughs> it's getting better. So, the first, um, that first year, the first six months in 2019, I did $45,000 in revenue. But the actual first full year that I worked, if I looked from May to May, I did over $100,000 in revenue. And that to me, when I saw that and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I didn't even think that that was a possibility. Mm. At this point now, uh, it's a multiple six, I'm a multiple six figure incorporated company. Um, (laughs) I am beaming right now, just just, in pride and excitement for you. you. (laughs) Incredible. Keep going. (laughs) So, but the one thing I want to say is people might be hearing like, oh, well, you're doing that teaching. The thing is, I've been teaching forever. And so I focused on that. So my business mentor has this thing. He says, you build one bridge at a time. So you don't spread yourself out thin doing multiple different things. So I focused, I said, I'm gonna make this one course. I'm gonna make it really, really good. And I'm gonna focus everything on that. And then after I did that last year, I was like, okay, I feel pretty good about this. I also kinda wanna feel more like an artist though. Like I wanna be putting my work out there. I want people to enjoy my work. Now I'm gonna start to focus on selling my work. And so I bought a big printer because that was living here in Nova Scotia printing um photos there's like one option doesn't necessarily have the um supplies that i would want so the place that actually prints with like the paper that i want is in bc and it's like yeah that's not gonna be it's just you know for anyone who is not familiar and not local like that's the other side of the country the times it takes to get things there and back so i was like okay i'm gonna invest in myself and i'm gonna buy a big printer it's a ten thousand dollar printer massive thing um and i did my first print sale and i did over twenty thousand dollars in sales from that print sale and it's like it's just like it's mind-blowing to me that that is a possibility. I wouldn't have ever thought of that before. Just a few years ago, I was struggling to sell $50 prints. And then all of a sudden, in a time span of two weeks, I make $20,000 selling my prints.
0: It speaks to the power of investing in yourself mm. and and doing this explorative work. And I, I wanted to ask before I forget, was the money mindset training that you did with James Wedmore as well? or?
1: I started first with a woman named Emily King. She's from Newfoundland. um, And it was called The Rich Woman, Mm -hmm. which I love. And I also love it because she's from Newfoundland then. So it just brings like the perfect attitude to it. And then um, working with James was a follow-up. All of it. okay. It's What she teaches is also very similar to what he teaches. It's a lot of the similar kind of mindset and ethos that goes into it. I recently did... Um, It it sounds similar, at least for this particular module,
0: course, with Kathy Heller. I don't know if you're familiar with that name, Mm -hmm. but she's a a podcaster and uh, got her start through writing music and doing online courses, very similar to what you're describing, of course, in her own niche and now is more in the coaching world. But I, too, was very shocked at the stories and beliefs that I had around money and grew up in... I'll say a modest household in rural yeah. Nova Scotia, like many of us did. And there was tension about money. Like everything was expensive, everything like yeah. from bread to sports to cars To It was always a problem and caused anxiety. And I certainly stepping into the world of full-time entrepreneurship and being an artist, like all of that baggage came with me. And I, I didn't, you know, some of the prompt questions that Kathy would take you through as well would be um. Like, how would you describe your neighbor if she were a millionaire? How would you describe yourself if you were a millionaire? And like, what types of judgments would you pass? Like, does that make them a bad person? Does it make them entitled? Does it make them snobby? Like, all of these almost negative attributes were attached to people that achieved this level of success. And you think to yourself, well, I don't want to be that person Yet, simultaneously, you kind of do. You (laughs) want to have that freedom and achievement. And so I I really appreciate that we're able to have this frank discussion because I I don't – it was one of those things that I didn't know what I didn't know until somebody blatantly asked me about it. And, Mike, you and I have since talked about this ourselves because I was so Mm -hmm. enlightened by the whole thing. And you, too, were like, yeah, I guess I never really thought about money that way.
2: Yeah, definitely. A lot of people in Nova Scotia and small <laughs> yeah. small towns feel the same way. And at times were different 20, 30 years ago, too. And I think, yeah. I don't know, yeah, we we definitely exposed to just that being the norm, really.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is the digital world, in your opinion, kind of a sweet spot because it's so
1: scalable? Yeah, it is. Um It's the sweet spot for me personally, because it's scalable and because of where we live. We don't have a huge population in Nova Scotia. Can I find people here who want to take classes from me? Yes. And I have people who um, are in my online course who are local. And so we chat about local stuff and I love it. But there's just not the scalability based on the population here. I don't want to move somewhere else. I don't want to move somewhere where it's a big city where I can bring people in, like part of what I want is to live here. And so the digital world for that is very, very scalable, but there are other things that happen because of that. Because of my network online, it also brings up more in-person opportunities. So I ran an in-person workshop over um, the summer and I only did one. Like I, I don't want to promise myself to a lot of things because i have small kids and i want to be there for my kids like they are priority above everything and this in-person workshop that i did it was all my online students students who have already paid me who then paid me again more money and came here in person i had Mm. someone who drove from bc here i had someone who drove from west virginia here like i had someone who flew Mm. in from california it's all these people who um, have taken my online courses who are now investing in me in person. I have people um, who flew down to California. I did a workshop in California because I had I had a workshop actually with James. Um, and so it was scheduled during the new moon. and I was like, thanks James, now I can do a workshop with my students. And so I had people fly to California to do a workshop with me. Um, I'm gonna be presenting at the Nightscaper Conference. There is a conference for this type of photography. Mm. In Kanab, in uh, Utah, next year, and there's already people who are flying in there to be in person because of that. So it starts digital, but it it comes th- it organically from that to in person and to other things as well.
0: Right, and it seems like you've also branched into. I know you had a show at Studio Twenty One, I believe, yes. with yeah. your with your artwork there. Feels like a creative extension for you Mm -hmm. uh, and have also started your own podcast. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which rose to the top of the charts immediately as well. Like you're just on fire. So how has podcasting been a a positive extension to your business?
1: Yeah. So my students say that podcasting is like taking everything that I teach them, but like one layer deeper. And so it's what I love about podcasting is that you... One, it's like you're having a conversation directly with the person who's listening. So whoever is here and listening to us right now, it's a conversation between us and them, which is really exciting and enjoyable for me. And then the second piece of that is that I can explore ideas more in depth. So it's not like a video course where someone has to sit down at their computer and watch me. I'm not going to talk into the computer and expect them to sit there for an hour and listen. Mm -hmm. But I will be in someone's ears when they're driving to work or when they're on their walk. And I get to bring up concepts that people might not have thought about before. And then I get to relate them to the type of photography that we're doing. So I'm, you know, my podcast is called After Dark Photography Podcast. But it's not just about like here's how you take a Milky Way photo. It's about a lot more concepts and that gets really exciting for me.
2: I'm curious about after you developed the, the program the that you put online and the people flock to, um <laughs> how did you get the people to flock to that? Like how yeah. what did you did you invest in ads? Uh have a campaign to reach out to people? What was your approach there?
1: Yeah, so it's multi-layered. So basically you've got like your organic um, and your paid traffic and so I do both. So I have a multi-layered approach that grew with time. Like I want to make sure people understand I knew nothing about marketing when I, I started my business. That's part of the reason I invested in this course with James Woodmore. I, I don't know what the heck I was doing. And I'm a very logical person in a lot of ways. So I want to be told do this and then do this and then do this. And so I just did those things. Yeah. Um, so nuts and bolts wise, um, I have my social media. Um, I have Instagram and Facebook where I post my work. I am well, as of this right now, like I probably have only posted a couple of times in in the last uh, month. I'm a little bit inconsistent there, but I tend to get a bit more consistent when I have a registration period opening up. Um, and then uh, paid ads. And so paid Facebook ads. And when I first started, I did less in paid Facebook ads. Uh, I know, uh, what did I do? I think I did maybe $250 uh, in Facebook ads for my very first course that I did. And so in my program, you calculate your cost per leads and your earnings per leads. So leads are how many people um, come in. So I do a launch for every time that I open up registration for my course, which is basically like a big free event online. And it's the reason I do it is two part. It's one, it is really great value for people. And two, it gets people to know if they like me. Because mm-hmm. people, I don't want people coming into a course and being like, oh, I don't like how Christine teaches. Like, this is not my thing. So yeah. it's a really good way to um, help a lot of people and then to also find the people who are going to drive with my teaching style. So I do what's called a launch. Um, I do a live launch. And this actual last one, I actually um, live streamed me photographing the Milky Way under the stars uh, to people. And then they, like, asked questions when I was doing it. It was Uh, technological feat to do. (laughs) It
0: sounds like it's so much on the go.
1: It was a lot, but it was so fun to do. So in order to get people into that, I will tell people when it's going to be. So I'll tell people um, on my Instagram, on my Facebook, I have um, my own newsletter list. And so when I first started, I had like 200 people on my newsletter list. Now I have 12,000 people on my newsletter list. So I'll, I'll put that out there in all of those places and um, I'll talk to other people that I know in the community um, and I'll put it, there's Facebook groups and things like that, like all of that kind of organic strategy. And then I'll pay for ads as well. The first time I paid for ads, like I said, it was um, about $250. This last time I spent $17,000 in ads. So, you know, I can do that now because of where the business is at. Yeah, But it didn't start there um and it doesn't have to start there like with when you start to learn about how to use ads and so i'm specifically using facebook ads but i'm learning now because i'm always learning so i'm learning how to use google ads which will then translate into youtube ads which makes a lot of sense because photography photographers go and look stuff up on youtube um but when you learn about how to use them you can get started at like a, you can do like 50 dollars and see where that gets you and so when I was doing my in-person classes before, I would do Facebook ads just locally. So then it was about learning how do I do this online? How do I understand the people who actually want to take a course online and and all of that kind of stuff and then scale it? So then do it once, make a little bit of money, keep some of that money for the next time you're going to do it. So, yeah, I do both.
0: Yeah. Would you say that... Anybody that has an idea, a business idea, I'll I'll narrow it down a little bit. (laughs) According to the the training and course that you took, can anybody apply that idea and follow sort of a, a formula, for lack of a better word?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is to find someone who is doing what you want to do and then learn from them. And what I would caution people is, like invest in one person that you trust and that might take some time to get to know a person, which is the reason why a podcast is great because Mm -hmm. you get to know a person over time and what their values are because your values might not align. And then like trust them, (laughs) do what they say, use your brain, obviously, like you don't take everything just at face value, but on the same portion, uh, token, if someone is doing something successfully that you want to do, invest in in that someone and learn from them and that's probably for me like it was a big thing to buy the program um you know especially i was just going on maternity leave and it's like i'm gonna spend multiple thousands of dollars like in my head when i went to buy this i remember the moment when i hit buy because like really big hat belly (laughs) laptop on top in bed with swollen feet and I was like, this costs more than a whole semester at NASCAD cost. And this is just an online course. But in my head, I was also like, but NASCAD didn't teach me anything about being an entrepreneur. And this person is doing it. And all of these other people have used his program to do it. I'm going to invest. And I you know, had listened to James's podcast for a couple of years before and all that kind of stuff. So really, if someone else out there is doing it and you have an idea... You can do it. It doesn't matter what that idea is. It's just a matter of having the process that works for you. And that's finding the right kind of teacher and mentor, really. How are you continuing to invest in yourself? Yeah, I and I do continue to um, invest in myself a lot. Um, I buy a lot of online courses. Yeah, I do. Mm. Um, yeah, so I did one that was really interesting because I wanted to do a podcast. I was not necessarily comfortable with my voice and it's interesting I had a lot of voice stories so I took a program with um, a voice a vocal coach Um, her name is Tracy Goodwin and uh, she taught me a lot of things about the ways in which I was holding my voice back based on a lot of those childhood stories I got made fun of a lot as a kid um, because my mom was Swiss and my dad is Canadian, but I had an accident. Uh, accident. I had an accent mm. because of my mom and because of being half Swiss. I made fun of all the time. Like you can just imagine, like rural Nova Scotia, rural schools, something is different about you. You get made fun of. And how that was still coming out in my voice now and the way that I was speaking. So um, I take courses based on the next thing that I need to learn. Basically, I also invest in coaching. So um, with James, I'm in his next level coaching group, which is um, a year long program, coaching program. And so I have access to um, multiple coaching calls a week with different coaches. And you go on and you work through it with people. And then there's peers. Um, so I'm in a couple of peer masterminds from people in those programs, and then just other courses with things that I'm like, okay, I need to like learn this piece now. So I'm doing a course right now that's on. Uh, my messaging and on the way that I talk about the things that I offer um, and I'm also uh, earlier this year I took a course on how to create memberships because I didn't know any of the mechanics of making a membership and that's something that I'm looking at doing next year. So really any anytime now that I'm like, okay, I think this is something that would be useful in my business. I'm going to invest, find someone that I see doing what I want to do in it and invest in that. Um, I did a program called The Art of Selling Art, which I'm uh, still in. And that was when I was like, OK, well, I do actually want to sell my art now. <laughs> How do I do that? Mm. I don't know. So uh, continuously investing. Yeah.
0: It's such helpful advice. I mean, for me personally, I'm listening to you say all these things and wish I had a notepad, but I guess we're recording this so we're good. Listen back. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny. it just makes it feel possible for people. Mm. And I, I just sense that as such a limitation in, in yeah. many many's mind who have dreams to yeah. pursue something. And it, it can be kind of more linear and logical, like, oh, I need to learn this thing. So I'll learn it now. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be this. You're taking on the whole ocean's worth of tasks all at once. It's just methodical and you're you're knocking
1: them off. Well, and I think that's a piece of it, too, because I know I listened to a lot of podcasts about people who are successful. And I would come up with these reasons why that couldn't be me. Oh, they have this particular life circumstance. I don't have that life circumstance. I can't do that and then i realized oh i'm arguing for my limiting beliefs i'm arguing for the reasons i can't do it how's that helping me where's that going to get mm-hmm. me and so instead i turned into well i don't have that circumstance but what do i have that's different and when you get to a point where it's like you have the thing that you wanted when you look back it's like oh this all makes sense like the the way in which this happened makes sense but when you're getting there it's probably you're probably not going to see those big piece those big picture pieces it's more so being like this is the goal and i'm just going to keep doing it i'm not going to argue for the reasons why i can't do it i'm going to argue for the reasons why i can
2: this is this is amazing you're an inspiring person (laughs) and you have have so many good things on the go what what do you have planned for the next bit like what do you see happening where where's all this going to go
1: Jeez, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Uh, You know, I think a lot of the same for the next few years. I I get a lot of questions of like, when are you coming here to do workshops or when are you coming here to teach? And I'm like, not right now. Uh, My kids are still small. So I like to be around them as much as possible in terms of of where it's going, uh, scaling what I'm currently doing. So my goal is to get more people out under the stars. Like that's really my goal is to get people to have those experiences for themselves. Um and so scaling what I'm currently doing is part of that. And then the secondary piece of that is my actual artwork and having people be able to bring that into their home is something that's really rewarding. So that's the the kind of second piece is bringing bringing those together. The other thing is I have a lot of my students asking me, they're like, you're so good at marketing. And I was like, that's so funny to hear. Um, So probably doing something in the realm of like a business course um, coming up. I have in in like practical terms, I have a printing course, which my students are, they're probably going to listen to this, be like, is it ready now, Christine? Um, (laughs) That they want me to to put out. So I'm actually working on that. And then... um, Going to some places that are meaningful to me to shoot. So I have some travel coming up. I'm going to Switzerland. Um, I want to spend some time in places where my mom um, did when she was young and create images there. And so, you know, just kind of exploring different ideas for bodies of work to create at the same time
0: we like to ask our guests what their idea of making it is and if you feel like you have found
1: yourself in that space yeah that's a good question uh i would say i'm constantly making it if if that makes any sense the uh goalpost is constantly shifting i would say yes unequivocally i have uh, air quotes made it um in that I'm at a place in my life that I, I didn't believe was possible or, or I didn't dream to believe was possible. But it's come about because I've had smaller goals along the way. You know, my first goal was, can I sustain enough so that um, I don't have to have a day job so I can be flexible to stay home with my kids when there's lockdowns and that type of thing. And then it went um, just organically has grown from there. So, you know, for me now, the next Goalpost. the next thing to make is to scale and be a positive influence in more people's lives Um, so to be able to do that um, and to have the freedom and flexibility to um, take my family places with me like if I were going to say like what's my next like my next big dream it would be the ability to support my whole family I'd love to um, retire my husband that would be lovely so that we could do more of those organic travel things and just bring more impact. Um, So yeah, I think making it for me is these little goalposts along the way. And then when I get there, it's important to be like, this is really awesome, (laughs) right? Like to, to always recognize I'm really grateful and really happy that I'm here. And then to also have in my head like, okay, well now this is the next thing that I'm working towards. Well it feels a little cheesy to say, but I think the sky is the limit for yeah. <laughs> Should we say the stars are the limit?
0: The I, don't know. I don't know. What's after that? Yeah. I just don't know. The universe? <laughs> the universe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Galactic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's no, a right. word in there somewhere,
2: but the cosmos are yeah. the limit Oh my gosh.
0: Thank you for sharing just your mm. background and tips, wisdom. I, I, we both just admire you so much and oh, what you've you. achieved and your your passion, your decisiveness about things. Your everything that you've done seems to kind of just turn to gold. So there, you're you're doing something right, and I, I think most importantly, it's just so beneficial for people to see an example of someone who mm. has taken risks and made priorities they've done the work to figure out what that looks like in their own life you've earned this you have put the work in and committed yourself so i mean congratulations i guess for that (laughs) just uh, excited to see where this journey takes you yeah yeah.
2: it's it's amazing watching from the outside and i can Mm. only imagine it's amazing for for you to be on the ride yourself so yeah we're we're just uh excited to see where it takes you
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it, and it's nice to have in-person conversations. By the way, and with creative people and and people, you know, in your in your neighborhood and your network, to have that that kind of connection, Uh, I really appreciate it. So, thank you for having me here.
0: Yeah, anytime. We're we're not far. That's right. right. (laughs) Literally, just down the road. We'll go for walks, and I'll just drill you
1: with questions (laughs) the
0: whole
2: time. Yes,
1: (laughs) yes, I'm down.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much.